This Inset Prom is a critical analysis podcast and is being produced in the midst of the SAG-AFTRA strike. The WGA may have made their tentative deal, but the members of SAG-AFTRA are still striking today. Without the labor of the actors currently on strike, the movie being reviewed here wouldn't exist. For more information, please visit the Freelance Solidarity Project at freelancesolidarity.org. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. Twice as hard for the same motherfucking title, but I realize that I probably won't be so lucky. Welcome back, prom party. They're all going to laugh at you. They, they hopefully will not. This is a tragedy. This is a serious story about what happens when you have the failures of comprehensive sex education and the overrepresentation of religion. <laughs> yeah, but also, like, I like to think that we're kind of a comedy podcast sometimes. Sometimes. So I hope they do laugh at us. <laughs> That's very, very true. This is part of our spooky season where we talk about teen movies that, you know, bring in the horror, which is the perfect intersection of everything that I love. And we are finally talking about Carrie and y'all can stop sending me 10 million emails every year of when are you going to do Carrie? Because we're doing Carrie. It is the most requested horror film in the suggestion box and it's not even close. No, it's like Carrie and then like way down at the bottom is like something else. But Carrie is absolutely the most requested title. And you know what? I get it. It's the formative teen girl horror movie and I I have a lot of love for this movie we will talk about my personal love affair with Carrie absolutely uh but friends we are not alone today and I am so excited for our guests joining us from the Dread Podcast Network the hosts of Girl That Scary Cat and Jazz hello hey hey <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for being here. And my first question for the two of you, and you can choose who wants to answer first, but why Carrie? Because there are so many teen girl horror movies. Why Carrie? Kathleen, take this one. Take this oh one. Oh my God. Okay, because Carrie's that girl. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's, that's <laughs> the only thing. Um, this is the saddest story, but also one of my favorite revenge stories. Um, and that's it. I don't want to say too much too soon. Beautiful. I agree with all of these points. I made a tweet uh, after we did our rewatch for this where I was talking about how this movie makes me cry and how much I love it and the amount of people who immediately quote tweeted and were like, this is a Greek tragedy. That's why it works so well. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is a Greek tragedy, which I'm, I'm about talking about that too. I like this idea. Uh, so Harmony, what is your relationship with Carrie? Uh, I saw Carrie on TV. Like being being a child growing up in the nineties, 
Stephen King adaptations. There, there was a lot of made-for-TV Stephen and King adaptations, including another version of Carrie. And mm-hmm. I think this is maybe the movie with the most blood that would routinely play in, like, October on, like, Turner Classic Movies or Spike or whoever was doing, like, Halloween marathons. And I guess it was okay because it's pig's blood. So, like, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's okay to show that much blood. But, like, usually they try to censor that a little bit on television. Um but yeah, no, I carry carry rules. I, I was just I thought it was really great. I still think it's one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. That that's me in a nutshell. Beautiful, Jazz. How about you? What's your relationship with Carrie? Well, I didn't see Carrie until I was like an adult. So growing up, I saw the references. I was like, oh, there's that girl at a party covered in blood. I don't know what the hell's going on with her. <laughs> and then one day, probably because of cat. Yep, it was because of cat. Because I watched, I watched Carrie after college. So me and Kat became friends like almost right after I graduated college. So I felt like she was like, oh, this movie slaps. And I, and you know, she had a shirt and everything. So I'm like, let me watch yes. this movie. Let me see what's going on. <laughs> yes. Let me see what's going on with this movie. And I'm like, oh, this, this kind of, this kind of rules. Okay. And, um, I side with, I'm on Carrie's side. So then eventually I decided to read the book because someone said it was like, what, afternoon read? Like you can read Carrie in like a couple of hours, honestly. And no, the book is even more intense. I, I'm a fan, definitely a fan. Although I, I'm waiting for my fat Carrie. Where is she? Yes, oh my God, we will, we'll, we will get into that. That's a sticking point for me. Uh, but Kat, how about you? What's your introduction to Carrie, if you remember? Okay, so I saw Carrie as a kid, like a young warthog. My mom is a Stephen King fan. Um, my mom also, I wasn't allowed to watch like, you know, like, I was just talking to Jazz about this. I wasn't allowed to watch like Juice or Players Club or whatever, whatever growing up. I was allowed to watch all things horror um, because that's <laughs> what my mom was watching. <laughs> so it was really it like, okay, who would, you and dad making some choices. I don't know what I got going on. But um, Carrie came on all the time, whether it was on VHS or, you know, VH1 was planted, just like Harmony said, like, or uh, it's just always on syndication somewhere. Um, and we're watching it get my hair done. So I saw this as a little kid, like what between was this, it was between this movie and flowers in the attic mama had on repeat all the time. <laughs> and, it, and if beaches came on, we're watching beaches too. So <laughs> this is pretty much a Sunday and Saturday in my mama's house. And so I, this is a movie that stuck with me for a while. Like my mom was a parent that didn't really shy away from actually like you know, talking about like anatomy. And so watching this as a kid, like I, you know, I'm not experiencing the things that Carrie's experiencing, but understanding, oh, okay. And then of course there's like kid you, and then there's grown up you, and then understanding the gravity of what the character's going through. Like as you get older, this story has stuck with me for so long. And I'm just like, I wish it was, I wish it was more like the book. I wish we had a fat Carrie. I, I love that Sissy Space, uh, Spacek, plays Carrie, but I wish Carrie looked like Carrie in the book. It would slap so much harder. It would hit harder because that was the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and fuck y'all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like fuck that whole, whole town. town. <laughs> the whole town. Goodbye town. Goodbye town. I am also the child of a Stephen King obsessed mother. I have two like baby Stephen King. Like I'm way too young for those stories. The first one was that I was also a very like I was a gifted kid and I read a lot as a child. And mm-hmm. I remember being in kindergarten and our 
teacher was like, bring a book from home that you're interested in reading and we'll read it in class. And I took bag of bones off my mom's like bedside table because that's what she was reading. And I was like, I would like to read this book. And my teacher was horrified. She's like, why did you bring this to school? Do I need to have a meeting? And I was like, I don't know what these words are. I'm five. It's fine. Um, But my earliest memory, this story I know I've told on other podcasts. I think I actually talked about this on Scarred for Life, on which is a Dread podcast. Um, My earliest memory, like my, like when you think about like, what is the earliest you can remember is sitting on the couch with my mom and she is folding laundry and she's about to watch the mini series of Stephen King's It. And my dad comes in the room and he looks at me and he looks at her and he looks at the TV and he goes, don't you think she's a little too young for that? And my mom looks at me and goes, mm, she's too young. She's not going to remember this. It's not a big deal. It is the literal first memory that I have as a human being is watching It uh-huh. with my mom on the couch as like a four-year-old. Oh my goodness. <laughs> But also, no, those four-year-old memories stick. That's how where child's play is for me. Yikes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so because of that, like I, Stephen King is like he's my my intro to horror. And Carrie became a movie that my mom showed me w- probably way too young, but that's fine. You know, now I talk about horror for a living. So I, she did something right. And I remember being so blown away by how mean people were to this girl and not understanding like why they were that mean. It was like, just leave her alone. If you don't like her, leave her alone. Let her sit in the corner alone. You don't have to antagonize her. And then of course, you know, she gets her revenge and it's like, good for you. That's yes. <laughs> you, you deserve to destroy all of them. And they had it coming. And uh, that has sort of sat with me forever. And then as an adult, I've become really hyper fixated on Margaret White and we'll talk about her later. Um, because I'm obsessed with the, that woman's psychology, uh, because goddamn. <laughs> um, but we'll, we will definitely talk about her. But for those who might not have seen Carrie, what is this movie about? If you had to like elevator pitch this to somebody, <laughs> what, what is Carrie? Well, you know, it's, it's really a movie about uh, a teen girl who is just trying to live their life. And unfortunately, they fall victim to bullying by their classmates. Um, and essentially bullying by their family. Um, and we see what happens when people take this shit way too far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great way to pitch it. Absolutely. Um, so Carrie is based on the first book by Stephen King, um, which is wild to think about. Like, this is what he came out the gate with. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is directed by Brian De Palma, my second favorite director of all time, John Waters being the first, but I... I'm a De Palma girl and I can't help it. Um, but this came out in 1976. So Harmony, what context are you bringing this week about Carrie? As far as the alum on this show is concerned, we don't tend to go back this far. It's it's a, it's a bit of a treat when we get to do the 70s. And we're doing it a lot in like the, the latter part of this year because we just did The Exorcist. We just did American Graffiti. And then like many moons ago last year, we did... Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, we we don't generally go back this far. And it's really fascinating because one thing I really love about this movie and where it sits in time is that the Hayes Code ended in 1968, and now you have this coming out in 76. So this is one of the first mainstream examples you see of villainizing like religion, specifically Christianity and Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very central part to the film. And even comparing that to, like, The Exorcist, which we did earlier in the month, where, like, religion's the hero. 
like the evil spawn that is like inhabiting the soul of this child, like that we would also get in like the omen this year, like a lot of creepy possessed children after the exorcist. Yeah, it's that that's that's the hero. That that's what's gonna save the day. And this one it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Also, it's like kind of nuts that this is the breakthrough film for both De Palma and Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And also something that we brought up in our American Graffiti episode is that come 1976, that's when people started to take the Academy Awards seriously and it became really competitive. And this is the following year and it was nominated for two Academy Awards, as was The Omen, weirdly enough. But that's that's for music, not for acting. Yeah, it is really weird when you think about, because 76 is when the Oscars become a big deal because that's like Jaws and Dog Day Afternoon and Nashville and all of that in one year. And then the following year, two like two horror performances get in. And then you fast forward to now and horror like never gets taken seriously well, by the Academy. Hasn't, horror hasn't gotten nominations in forever. It was a huge deal when The Exorcist did. And then they decided that's good enough and don't nominate horror yeah, films we anymore. Get, it's like Jordan Peele can have an Oscar as a treat. Like mm-hmm. that that's what we get now. And it's incredibly frustrating how many incredible horror performances have just been shut out over the last like 50 years. Oh my God, hereditary. Every time I think about that, <laughs> y'all need to give Miss Tony Collette all of her flowers. She needs a field of them. Don't you curse at me, you little shit. Every time. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that movie. I have the super yucky hat that says nominate Tony Collette, you cowards. And I stand by that. Every, like I, That is the one snub that like I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get over ever in my no. life. <laughs> it's egregious. I think the one for me would just be last year that Pearl didn't get any nominations. How is Mia Goth going to do a nine-minute monologue and they're just going to pretend that 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 didn't happen? It's so good. Rude. Rude. (laughs) But luckily, they did acknowledge Carrie. They do acknowledge Sissy Spacek. They do acknowledge Piper Laurie, who is pretending this is a comedy the whole time, which is kind of a brilliant choice and I think a a genius choice by her uh, because Piper Laurie is... She's banana pants in like the best way possible. (laughs) (laughs) But before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Hello there, prom party. Hopefully you're enjoying your spooky season now that it is properly underway. We've got some fun stuff coming up over on the Patreon this month. Our Sadie Hawkins dances, we're just covering some some boys, getting getting some stuff done. <laughs> we're doing uh, the classic teen boy movie of The Lost Boys and the tragically underseen Vampires vs. the Bronx. It's about gentrification. They throw a dobo in a vampire's face. It's awesome. For our Musical Milestones episode, we are covering a, a bit of a broad topic rooted around a single subject with Nightmare Before Christmas, Hot Topic Culture, Eyeliner boys and spooky girls. So we're just continuing BJ's trip down memory lane as a former emo scene kid. (laughs) We've also crossed the halfway point of Mike's so-called life. We actually just did a Halloween episode last month. So I'm curious to see where we're going to end up going this month. Because this show goes a lot of weird places I wasn't prepared for. In addition to all of those episodes, you can look forward to our monthly playlist it is a bit spooky this month bj's wellness newsletter and access to the always important for our knowledge suggestion box 
in addition to just, you know, the vast back catalog that we have available over there. If at this time you're not able to support the podcast, we totally understand. As always, just feel free to share us with any friends who you think enjoy what we do or give us a five-star rating wherever it is you listen to your podcasts because doing so is truly the best way that you can help our podcast grow and continue to do its thing for ever, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Thank you so much. And now back to the movie. Alrighty. So to kick things off, we have to talk about our girl, Carrie, the titular role played by Sissy Spacek. Um, so I'll start with you, Jazz. How do you feel about Carrie as a character and also, you know, Sissy Spacek as this character? First of all, I think Sissy Spacek does an actual excellent job because first of all, her eyes. Because Carrie is not a very vocal character in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, she's kind of mousy. She's not... She's not going to curse you out or anything. She just, her eyes get big, or then when her eyes get small, low to the ground, you can see how small she feels um, or how she's just trying to like be invisible and move through the crowd. It says a lot because there's a lot of things that, things that are left out that are in the book that they couldn't put in the movie, but they're still like kind of portrayed or you feel it, the weight of those things by the way that Sissy Spacek plays Carrie. Just so, especially with the um, way that she interacts with her mother. Like when her mom will abuse her and then she'll just like keep talking like, oh, it's Tuesday. Like what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> like, so you, so you as the viewer already know like, oh, this is, this is what you do. Like, this is how you've been living. You're conditioned to be in this way. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you, it makes you really feel for her. That's why when she blow everything the fuck up, you're like, good job. You're doing a good job. Thank you. I love it. But the eyes, especially at the end, oh, her eyes. <laughs> Oh, great. Incredible. I like at the end that like her eyes and just the way she holds her body is just like, I'm covered in something gross. <laughs> like you get something on your hands and you just kind of have them out in front of you. Like you don't want to touch anything like, ah, but it's all over her entire body. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's so, yes, she sells that and just the worst experience possible. Like her eyes are very much like the selling point, even on the poster. Like the classic like split screen that you have for like the vintage poster or the more modern ones where it's just a zoom in on her face and you just see her mm -hmm. bright piercing eyes. Like that is the image of the movie. Definitely. Kat, how about you? I feel like um, exclamation point. Yes, that's next to everything everyone said. She's just, I feel like in anything Sissy Spacek plays in her, not just her face, but her whole body, like her whole or everything about her is just so expressive. Like she's really good embodying her role. And then when I look at this movie and you think of like other movies that came out around the 70s, she has like a different look compared to everyone else. So you could tell like, I don't know if y'all are walking with me, but like but she kind of stands out compared to her peers. Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. stands out period. Like her face, the angles, like just, I love the way her face looks period. Um, so she's like, what she doing seems effortless. Like it doesn't even seem like She's acting like she's really just good at I'm um, care. I don't know if she read the book and just said, all right, boom, I'm about to, I'm about to show up to the set. I got this. But, but I was like, when I watched this movie and then read the book later in life, I'm like, damn, like, okay, plus or minus some obvious things. But she's really selling this role. Like, especially when we see her, you know, being herself and we get to walk, spend time with her, you know, when she's in the library and she's going through the card catalog and learning more about herself. And I'm just like, okay. 
I like this character. Like, I want to know more about Carietta. I hate the way that they dog on her every day. Like, I really, I really wish she had hands. Like, I, this would have been a whole different movie. Like, <laughs> she just started jumping people in the stairway. Like, I'm tired. Yes. Like, fight back, fight back. Get the dog in you. But oh, she absolutely. She's she's scrappy. Like, she would she would scratch and bite. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. She looked like she could have hands. Like, you know, that one secret person. Mm -hmm. um, but she's got an even better talent. And I live for this. Like, just like Carrie. So as a kid seeing Carrie and then shortly afterwards experiencing and seeing Matilda like in real time in theaters mm -hmm. and then also being a kid who's like looking up telekinesis in the library. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I don't know. Like it, it's, I don't want to say inspiring because now everybody's going to look at me like, girl, stop you go to jail. But like <laughs> it, it, it made you feel like, okay, like if weird stuff happened to you at school, I knew I could just like, you know, get inspired to lay them down. Shout out to this movie. <laughs> You know, we talked about this a little bit on our Matilda episode, actually, about like being a little kid and then suddenly practicing telekinesis just in case you have it. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think Carrie's all, like fits in really nicely. Like, there's a scene in the movie Superstar with Molly Shannon where like you know her character is obsessed with movies, and at one yes. point she's yelling at <laughs> Elaine Hendricks's character and is like, "I'm gonna use my telekinesis like Carrie to kill you," and she yes. just <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. Uh no, that's real. Like, <laughs> I think we all, even if we don't want to say out loud that we've done it, I think everybody at one point has been like, what if I can blow up this person's brain with my mind? <laughs> Listen, I definitely was like, oh, if I had that talent, um, this is why God did not give me that because <laughs> we know, we know when the people go low, I'm going to hell. So I know <laughs> I would have been blowing people away. <laughs> so speaking of like Sissy Spacek in this role, there are a couple things that I think are just endlessly fascinating. So one, she was not originally supposed to play Carrie. Amy Irving was supposed to play Carrie, who would eventually mm -hmm. play Sue Snell. And then uh, Sissy Spacek was married to Jack Fisk, who is the like art department on this. And um, she was like, I read the book. I think this is amazing. I, I got to get an audition. You got to let me audition. So when she shows up to our audition, she didn't brush her teeth that day. She didn't wash her face that day. She put a bunch of Vaseline in her hair so she would look greasy as hell. And she wore a dress that was like a sailor girl dress that her mom had made her as a child that she still fit into because I feel like Sissy Spacek is one of those people who like had her growth spurt at like a very young age and then has just stayed this way for the rest of her life. So she had this dress that she wore as a kid. So she wore that to make herself look more childlike because she's 25 in this movie. And she walks in there and De Palma's like, ah, fuck, that's the girl. Like, it has to be her. Um, so then he shuffles around all of the parts and is like, okay, well, that means that, you know, Amy, you're going to be Sue. And Nancy Allen was supposed to play Sue. So, Nancy, you're going you're gonna to play Chris Harginson now. And ultimately, like, knowing what I know about all of these actors and the things I've seen them in, like, this is the correct combination. I love Amy Irving. I think she probably would have been a really compelling Carrie. But she's so much better to me as Sue Snell and Nancy Allen, like I know she could have played Sue Snell, but she's way better at being a bitch and she's a perfect Chris and Sissy Spacek, like echoing, yes, ending everything that the two of you said, she looks so different than everyone else in this movie. And you, I just, I can't stop staring at her because of it. Yeah, it gives her like that like a spectacle. And that's why they're all staring at her and singling her out. Like, mm -hmm. oh, and when I was, um, of course, when you read the book, you got that little 
part of the beginning and he was talking about how you know it's based off of these real girls and i don't even want to get into their story because true crime sends me to hell because <laughs> mm. i'd be like it's because i'm like no please but mm. you know yeah i'm like i don't want to talk about the victims but he was like okay well they he went to school with them he knew them so it's like they're singled out and they had like a sign on them that like the signal that said i'm weird don't talk to me leave me alone exclude me mm-hmm. so i'm like oh my god that's like a red alert it is so rude because she's so beautiful and then when you see her actually coming out of her shell she fits in so easily mm-hmm. so easily all y'all had to do was not be assholes for 10 minutes and y'all could have just had a new friend but no y'all want to do this and now look at y'all ass burnt to a fucking crisp <laughs> Bye. that's what you get barbecued bitch and like, and thinking of like her physicality too like okay so i read that obviously Sissy Spacek is the exact opposite of fat, which is how Carrie is presented in the book. So Mm. in order to kind of accommodate for that, to make herself stick out, you know, physically, she took her inspiration from looking at images of people who had been stoned to death for sinning and the way that they like hold their bodies when they're close to death. So that's why she's like curled over and like she makes her body look round like arced if that makes sense instead of you know being because she's so angular like as just a a body she's angular and she wanted to look more rounded because there's something like sympathetic to that body shape and you see it I think the most in the in the shower scene um which is just really wild to think about but while we're here I do want to talk about Carrie not being fat in these movies because um I did a whole episode, like a like a Patreon special with the King cast, uh, the Stephen King podcast Vangoria does, where I just talked about hating the fact that Carrie is not fat. Um, so I would love to hear your feelings about that, whichever one of you wants to go first. I mean, it's not accurate. Um, the real thing is I... I st- it's, it's... What's the year? This is 76. Mm-hmm. 76, so you're probably filming at 75. Obviously, because of the country we live in, we we understand why Sissy says SpaceX or anyone who has that body type is placed into this role. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> it's trash, baby. Like, <laughs> that's really it. Like, I don't understand. We know why the powers that be do the things that they do. And we understand and know that that is wrong. The movie or anything or the piece of work is the most effective when it looks like to a certain degree, because multiple can play, people can play different characters for different things, but... I rather see the person that's supposed to be portrayed in the story to, you know, with an asterisk next to it in whatever film depiction. Like, whoever's playing the role, why can't they fit the description of the body type that is in the story? Like, it's written that way on purpose. And I know that people try to use this same thought process to apply towards hateful things. That is not what I'm talking about. That, mm-hmm. And I don't even align with that. But for this particular thing, like, she should have been a a plus size person mm-hmm. like th- th- it should have been that like yes this is effective because you know sissy spacex is portrayed or embodying someone who is more so like the other um this is someone that you know doesn't really look like everyone else i just think it's gross it's, but also we know it's the 70s and the choices that people were making like <laughs> i feel like it would have been very it would have been telling for the time if they actually put the the actual character who was portrayed in the book in the movie because I would have been like, oh, they did this in in, in the seventies, like for mm-hmm. real. I'm surprised they didn't pick somebody else and try to like doll them up and make them do something different. 
Listen, there's a long history, especially with teen movies, where we have someone who's supposed to be an ugly duckling, and I have quotation marks, I know y'all can't see it, and then they take their glasses off, and oh my God, it's oh, America's yeah. Next Top Model. Girl, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, they always do that. Like, Sissy Spacex is a, is a bad bitch. Yes, she looked different, but she looks fucking like a goddess. So yeah, they can make her, you know, and her body plays into that. I have something to say about that, but like it, it plays into the actual story because in the book she is bigger because she eats the pies and stuff because she's trying to deal with her emotions because she's getting her ass whooped at home she getting her ass whooped in the school even the adults are fucking bullying her like it's the whole fucking town like mm -hmm. so i'm like this this plays into it's not like oh she's just large and we don't talk about no, that no more and also that's a reason why she's getting bullied think about body type we people already who are fat are getting bullied right mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. in the 70s where there were way more like maybe thin people oh, or was way more looked against like they not even making your size bitch fuck you like you have a little pudge like that was not it they were not fucking with you at all so it's like this plays into why they were so fucking mean to her all the time like even all the boys well i mean granted in the book they said more to girls but also her holding her body like being stoned is kind of perfect because in the book like the when they talk about her house and stuff, whatever. When she was a child, the girl said she was really beautiful, like back in the day. And she probably didn't hold her body weird. She probably learned that. And I wonder if like all them insult, all the teasing is like her being stoned metaphorically, like, oh my gosh. So after a while, she's always on guard. So every time something happened to her, she is holding her body. Here comes another one. Like here mm -hmm. comes another one. So I'm like, ooh, that's what I thought about when you said that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. She's like cowering, like she's afraid to make any sudden moves because if she does, then that draws more, it draws more attention to her and any attention she receives is bad attention. Like she does not get any good things. Um, one of the biggest reminders I have just here in LA about size is like whenever you visit like a repertory movie theater and they have the seats that haven't been changed out since like at least the seventies. And I'm like, I'm not a big person. Like it's, I'm six, three. So like I'm not small, but like I'm, I'm fairly slender. And, uh, yeah, I'm uncomfortable in these seats. It's one of like the biggest mm -hmm. reminders of scale and how much like bodies were just built or or at least they wanted you to be built different in the 70s in particular. And one of the things I think about with like the choice of Sissy Spacek is kind of similar to how I feel about the uh the, the remake they did by Kimberly Pierce with Chloe Grace Moretz where the biggest sin of that movie is that the original exists. Like the mm -hmm. movie's good. But it, it, it just does mostly exactly what you get out of the original version. So mm -hmm. the biggest sin of Sissy Spacek is like, she's really good, but also it's not the thing that it should be. So yeah. that's that's my that's my biggest complaint is like, oh, she's really compelling. And I'm this is very good. And I'm glad that it exists. But also this is I, I understand that there's some concessions that get made when you adapt like a book to the screen, but still it's such an it, important part of your character and they made some changes to make it work with like Sissy Spacek as Carrie. But I, I don't know. I, I remember being a fat kid who was bullied and like it's the, it, you can't hide when you're big. Like it, yeah. it's, it's impossible to get lost in the crowd when you're a bigger kid. And so you can't cower easily. You can't make yourself smaller easily like that. And it just makes you more of like an ire for uh, of bullies and shitty kids in your school. 
there's there's two parts to this that are bothersome for me about the choice to not make her fat is and one of them is not their fault <laughs> but the first one is that i can't imagine how powerful it would have been to have a character like carrie who by and large i think culturally at this point we understand like she's in the right and she's the victim here mm-hmm. and we root for her and we want her to burn this town to the ground because fuck all of them to be able to offer that empathy to a fat character which is something that doesn't ever happen to root for the fat girl to win and get revenge would have been like just so revolutionary and i i am so sad that we never got that and we still haven't gotten it and then the second part of it which this is not the movie's fault like they could not have predicted this would happen but carrie has since set the standard similarly to greece and like the thing that bothers me about greece is that there are stage productions, there are remakes, there are so many things that have been done with Carrie in the years since this. But because this movie has become iconic, if you stray away from the visual of this movie, people reject it, which is why you get the made-for-TV Carrie and you have Angela Bettis, who, don't get me wrong, is a phenomenal Carrie White. She's incredible in it, but she's also like borderline emaciated in this role. Like Angela Bettis has famously played women with anorexia in other movies. So you have yet mm. another actress who is so small because that is that is the standard now, the same way that when you go to see a production of Grease, if Sandy isn't blonde, people throw a fucking fit about it. And they shouldn't. But it, when it becomes iconic, like it, it's hard for the audience to like separate their brain. So then like I saw a movie came out, it was last year, the year before, called Piggy. It's a Spanish horror movie, and I loved it so much because I'm like, that girl, Mm -hmm. that's Carrie White. Like, this is the story we should have gotten, and we didn't. And it's like, oh, it's like in the 2020s we're finally getting the story? God damn it. Okay. Um, Because I don't think that we're ever going to get a fat Carrie. Like, because we just, like, it's just ingrained in society's brain that, like, Carrie White is Sissy Spacek. She is waifish in that, you know, baby pink dress covered in blood, and she needs to be as small as possible. Like, that's Carrie White when the book is the complete opposite. And, yeah, I have I have a lot of feelings about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm, shout out to you for bringing up Piggy also. <sighs> that movie's so fucking good. It is. That is another one where it's like, no, I hope you get what you want. I hope you you deserve everything that you want. <laughs> Carrie, you haven't touched your apple cake. Gives me pimples, Mama. Pimples are the Lord's way of chastising you. Mama? Yeah. Mama, please say that I've got to start to try and get along with people better. <laughs> when are you going out on the ball, Carrie? I've been invited to the prom. Prom? Yeah, senior prom. You know, everybody's going. It's that teacher that called, wasn't it? Please see that I'm not like you, Mom. I'm funny. I mean, all the kids think I'm funny. I don't want to be. I want to be normal. I want to start to try and be a whole person before it's too late for me to <laughs> His name's Tommy Ross, and he's a very nice boy, Mom. No. And he promised to stop him and leave you no. before him. No, accepted, no, Mama. no, no. I accepted, Mama. I accepted. Come to your closet. No. After all you've been taught, Everyone in bad, Mama. Everything in the sin. Come to your closet and pray. Ask to be forgiven. He's a nice boy, Mama. You like him. You really like him, Mama. 
boys. <laughs> the boys. The boys. Yes, the boys. After the blood come the boys, like sniffing dogs, grinning and slobbering and trying to find out where that smell comes from, where the smell is that smell. But uh, Carrie would not be Carrie if it wasn't for Margaret. Let's talk about Margaret White. How do we wow. feel about Margaret White? Who, first of all, let me tell you about, like Margaret White is so intense. Like, I'm just, I couldn't imagine having her as a mom. Like Piper Laurie really just, embodies everything because she's so dramatic like yes come in like and then she like you you feel like no this is who this woman is y'all plucked her out of some cult or like some extreme um religion sector or whatever and you just plopped her in the movie because what Carrie, you first meet her after that traumatic thing happened you don't even know who if you haven't read the book you don't even know who her mom is mm -hmm. you don't know her and then she comes in she's quite like, like on the phone oh okay after the phone call, she ain't even said nothing. I'm already scared. Mm -hmm. Cause why you that calm? Okay, mm -hmm. no compassion, nothing. You don't. You're not even like concerned. Okay, your daughter come. The first thing you do is slap fire from her. What? I'm terrified. I was like, oh my god. And you got to live like this every day. And then she just quoting the Bible, and it's like, wow, this is a representation of you know, what's that word? Whatever. It's when people just push Christianity on everybody. Like it just evangelism. Evangelism. Yeah, evangelism. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. That's there we go. That's the word I was looking for. But like, no, this is embodied when it's extreme. This is old testament. This is I was like, yeah. oh Lord, okay. You you really mean fire and brimstone. This mm -hmm. is a lot. So much so where you are blocking things like you're delusional to a point because a lot of the things you do to carry or the hate you have for her is from your own shit. Like you mad you even had her. You wish she was dead so many times because you had a baby girl, get over it. Please go make your confession and let, and let go. Like, this is too much. God, this, this is a movie, though, where people are just slapping the shit out of each other, like, all the time, though. Mm -hmm. So much. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> Betty Buckley slaps the shit out of everybody in this movie. Yes. Oh, my God. But, okay, so I have such a fascination with Margaret White because I did not grow up religious, but I grew up in an, I grew up in the city of Zion, Illinois. So, like, Religion was everywhere, but my family personally was not religious. So I dealt with a lot of like very zealous type of people all the time. And like looking at the psychology of somebody like Margaret White is like so horrifying because you see the way that religion and like these, because she's an extremist, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at her in this time period and everybody looks at her and is like, yeah, no, she's clearly off her rocker like she is not on planet earth with the rest of us she's you know and using that that bible as a literal weapon in some instances and then you look at like today where we have these people who are like the fucking q and honors or whatever and it's like you are all cut from the same cloth of just believing the most absolute batshit nonsense you've ever heard and then using it as like the most horrific weapon possible. And Piper Laurie is just so captivating in this because she knows that this character is out of pocket every step of the way. And she's mm -hmm. playing it with like, like she's almost hamming it up a little bit, like because she's going on record to talk about how she, 
she, like she got in trouble on set because she would laugh after like delivering lines because she's like, this woman is absurd. Like this is nonsense. And that makes it so much scarier because if she brought like the, the like cruelty, like she's obviously cruel, but if she knew what she was doing was cruel, then like that doesn't like, then she just becomes like, horribly abusive and she's like the dad in the black phone but the fact that she does everything with like a smile because in her mind she thinks she's right is so much fucking scarier to me mm-hmm. and yeah. and you're totally right with like she needs to go to confession and just deal with it because she sees her daughter not as like just you know oh it's a sin it is a reminder that she sinned she is a reminder that like i had sex but also she was kind of like a product of marital rape and because uh margaret is so repressed that that is her first sensation of anything sexual so then she has her like manic oh and i liked it like that kind of delivery because she just liked being touched even though it was like in a deeply fucked up situation like she's the worst villain i think i've ever seen in a movie mm-hmm. and at the same time i'm like you are so broken like, what would have happened if someone fucking helped you? Like, this is cyclical trauma we're dealing with here. Listen, listen. Yeah, CBJ. I, y'all can't see me. I'm aggressively not, like, I'm not as so hard my chair is making noise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, because I had to write my notes down because I have like, yes, exclamation point. Exclamation. I want to know more about Margaret. Like, yeah. I know the story is about Carrie, but like two, one, Jazz's point of like, um, Mar- when Margaret's taking the phone call and I'm noting, like looking back at it, like, I don't know about y'all, but like, okay, here comes the trauma jumping out. When you got in trouble at school mm-hmm. and you're getting, the, you're hearing that phone call and your parent is talking so calm because they are getting the tea. And that is how Margaret responded to Carrie, you know, catching a period. I'm like, okay. When you're looking back at it, that's essentially what happened. Like, she's really calm. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Comes down, aggressively gets the pram. Like, it's, it's, you see that abuse. And then, you know, we get bits and pieces of her backstory. Um, but I would like to know more. Like, what, what all is, what happened to Margaret for us to see who Margaret is today? Mm-hmm. Like, I know we know little bits and pieces, but like, how far back did it go? Like, you know, were you dabbling at the other things? Like, you know, are you giving us what we're kind of getting in a, What's the story? Like when you're getting your Pearl Maxine um, X situation, like mm-hmm. you're running mm-hmm. away. Like, what is there more to it? Was it just that one time? Yes, horrific things happen, but like, d- d- what 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 all is going on here? So I I too am interested in Margaret, but I want to know in that aspect because I think that creates a bigger picture to why she's the way she is with Carrie, um, and then you know why what all is going on. I don't know. I need a I need a side piece. <laughs> I need to read. I need to somebody catch me up. Yeah, I want to know more about Carrie's dad a little bit too. Because yes. All we know is he carried a gun in the Bible, and we don't see none of him in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of make. I don't even think they mention him because I mean, there's no time they focus on really the event, like what leads up to that specific, you know, boiling point. But there's so much to unpack with these characters because they gen- they're good villains because they genuine genuinely believe in their villainy, like the things they're doing. They're like, yeah, no. God's going to come down and he is going to send me up because of this. I'm saving my daughter. Mm-hmm. That is what she thinks. You are killing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, 
Stephen King has no shortage of uh, religious extremists in his work. It's one of his favorite things to write. But he has been really trying to capture this high for the rest of his career and has never quite gotten there. Mm, I'd say Miss Carbody's pretty close from The Mist. She's pretty close. Um, So, okay, this is, I'll I'll be putting a link to this in the show notes for this episode. But the very first short film I ever did is a Margaret White fan film um, where oh, it, is, uh, uh, it is played by the amazing Neely Gavart, a wonderful Cleveland actress playing a pregnant Margaret White, uh, throwing herself over and over down the stairs trying to force an abortion um, because uh, she knows she doesn't want to be pregnant. She obviously hates her child. It is all just her spouting her religious nonsense, trying to justify that what she's doing is giving giving her daughter to God, which is what she says in the movie. And throughout the jump, uh, different things are flying off of the wall because it's essentially like baby Carrie in utero trying to protect herself and trying to like stop it. Um, it's not my best work. Uh, it's the first movie I ever made, but like this, this is a sign of how deeply I think about Margaret White constantly because I have to know everything about her. And re- like, we don't know really anything about Carrie's dad with the exception of in The Rage Carrie 2, which is a movie we'll cover on the show at some point. Yes, okay. Yeah, we know that like he does have another kid and he seems to be mm-hmm. the carrier of telekinesis so it's like did he have telekinesis did he abuse margaret with his telekinesis like these are i have so many questions stephen king you gave us dr sleep to fill in the blanks of the shining please give me more about the white family like i need to know these things (laughs) but you know margaret's not the only villain in this movie because we have this whole goddamn town this whole goddamn school oh my god okay um i want to talk about Chris first. We don't have to spend a lot of time on these characters, but Chris Harginson is my favorite bitch in cinema. She is so fucking mean. Yes. I love her so much. She's horrible. <laughs> like, she's the reason she, she gets the best song in the musical. The World According to Chris is an amazing bitch anthem, but goddamn Nancy Allen's good. So <laughs> whatever y'all want to say about Chris, just lay it out. <laughs> Wow, um, I can't imagine because you know I don't watch a lot of white coming of age uh, movies, right? Because I just mm-hmm. I just never had that experience. And then also every time I see the bullying scenes, you know, at my black school, the, the bullying did never looked like that. No one's really you know shake you up for your lunch money. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not really getting stuffed in a locker. None of that is happening. Or this like like this wouldn't have like they're not about to pour blood that's just this too far they might beat oh, you up yeah, no. they might jump you like that's about as far as they go they're gonna beat you up they might tease you a little bit but they, like y'all are writing carry white carry out a white eat shit on the lockers like it's that <laughs> deep like girl really you you are investing in the bullying at this point like you're spending money and time to like single this girl out this whole fucking town is they're full of shit they're full of shit, but Chris is like on top of it. She's like, I am that bitch. I, it's me. She reminds me of Pearl in a way where if I'm not winning, like why, uh, why not me ass bitch? Mm-hmm, That's her. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, why, what do you mean I'm not the number one bitch? How dare I not win? And when I don't win, I am now in danger. Like, help me. Like, when uh, Pearl was screaming out, help me after mm-hmm. she lost. Bitch, you're not in danger. What mm-hmm. the fuck? You just lost. Like, you took an L. Everyone takes an L. Chris is not taking an L. And that kind of person, especially with a little money and a little push, 
is the worst kind of person and she's smart and she's beautiful you know so she gets and she's a white woman mm -hmm. so she gets what she can get what she wants mm -hmm. easily and she can terrorize whoever the fuck she wants because she's chris motherfucking hargison and her daddy is a lawyer <laughs> don't talk to her nice that's how she yes, feels yes. and i kind of love it but i also fucking hate her exactly i would have beat the fuck out of her i would have i would like no nah, girl i would have had to go to jail i would have had to beat your ass but you wouldn't have played with me no more <laughs> oh god she's nancy allen career babe nancy allen has maybe like the best head of hair in a movie full of a bunch of people with really great 70s hair and yes. i just i love that she you can just look at her and go that's the prettiest girl in school that's the most popular girl in school obviously in like this small main cottage town or whatever and the fact that she can't go to prom because of something that carrie had nothing to do with she's like okay cool well it's carrie's fault then and I will destroy her. And that is like, she's, get, she's, get, she's getting creative with her bullying. Because it's like, I could do something like, you know, I could do something like beat her ass theoretically. But that's not in her. She needs to humiliate her because that's what like white teen girls do. Is it's all about absolutely destroying someone's like emotionally and like socially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's nega, uh, what, what is it? Nega Regina George. Um, like that's the way I look at it right now. I'm so serious. Like I love that you talked about her hair because it oh, is beautiful. Girls. It is bouffant. Mm -hmm. I love a bouffant hair. So you're just like, wow, okay, this is great. But also, like, girl, you need some help. Like you mm -hmm. are not well. We need to lock her up. Um, I just really feel like Chris is the moment, but also like Chris is big tridash. Like you can see the signs there. You can tell that she's never been no told no for real mm -hmm. in her mm -hmm. life. Um, but I will like to, I want to recognize that when we get Chris in the car and Heat Wave is playing, it's a moment. <laughs> and if you are lying to your face, if you say otherwise, Heat Wave is a moment itself. So when you zoom in and you see Chris's hair, and I'm like, yes. But then when you start zooming down, because obviously it's through the, um, through the perspective of Billy, and I'm like, no, Mr. Adult Man, back up. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, no, no. John uh, Chris also gets credit. She speaks clearly while given a blowjob better than anybody I've ever wow. seen. <laughs> Just the pettiest teen girl shit that you are giving like baby John Travolta a blowjob and going, I hate this girl at school. Fuck her. <laughs> He's like, who? When he says who, I scream every time. I'm like, who the fuck is that? Gosh, she's like, okay, so I'm so glad that you brought up Regina George because this movie is, I've been dying to have this conversation. So Harmony brought up like the very specific way that like white girls will ruin each other live because that is very much a thing. Um, mm -hmm. Carrie sets the standard of um, what... <laughs> What is the closest thing that white people have to colorism, which is hair colorism, which is that if you are the blonde, you have the most power. If you are a brunette, you're a little bit beneath. If you are a redhead, you are at the bottom of the of, of the social hierarchy. And we see that repeated in Mean Girls, where Regina George is on top, uh, Lacey Chabert is, you know, Gretchen Wieners is in the middle, and then Katie is the disruptor, and she's a redhead. Um, mm -hmm. and this was during that era where everyone's like, oh, if you're a you know, redheaded kid, you have no soul. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Um, so that is like this thing that when I think about how, you know, Brian De Palma like shuffled all these roles around when they got the casting, I'm like, I don't think he realizes that that's what he did because he immediately put together like what is this weird, implicit, like insidiousness of the way that white girls treat each other because 
like my school was in like very like white people there were not as many white people as there were uh black and brown girls in school so Mm -hmm. like we also did not bully each other this way we just beat the shit out of each other and then you went on Mm -hmm. with your day like that's that sounds about right you just jump yeah that's how conflict (laughs) was solved in our school um you just beat beat the brakes off somebody um so seeing this is like for me i'm like i'm like learning a thing that i should have learned but didn't um so so watching someone like chris is so fascinating because this is the girl that like when i went to college everyone's like oh my god chris hart Parkinson is like that is the girl who was the meanest one at school and like that's very kind of alien to me but like oh. the, when I think of like mean girls I think of Regina George and I think of Chris Harginson and I think of like evil blonde girls with a lot of money <laughs> and she is just god she's on another level because it's like like you said Harmony it's the commitment like she is you know, seducing her boyfriend with a blowjob because she needs his help to like set this up. She's going to hide out underneath a stage for God knows how many hours just to pull a string in time. Like, wow. Like what you need to therapy. Like this is too far. There's bullying. And then there's whatever the fuck Chris is up to. So much. You had to kill a living thing to do this like you had it wasn't even like you just like it was in mud or paint it could have been anything you went and killed a fucking pig and you could have got shot doing this because they talk about how mean the fucking farmer is at the farm where they go get the pig from he could have he would have shot your ass and y'all really willing to risk risk all of this to pour blood on carrie yet a white who has never done anything to none of you hoes Mm -hmm. i hope y'all all get what's coming to you and you do well yeah especially because like that that's the thing she's never done anything to them like i don't think that they think there's going to be any ramifications for bullying her because she's 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 never fought back she's never done anything and oh one of the taglines like on the poster is like it's too bad she has powers (laughs) where it's like yeah that's not gonna work out well for you (laughs) you weren't expecting this as like just a thing that's that 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 she has but also like speaking of the pig's blood like yes obviously they have to kill a, a pig with a hammer to get the blood for the pig but this goes back to the whole like Carrie's supposed to be fat thing cuz why would it need to be pig's blood if she's right thin? right <sighs> again i just she needs to be fat she needs to be fat and she's not and it's frustrating um so we have Chris, we have uh, we have Billy Nolan, um, played by Hunky John Travolta. I, okay, so if you've not read the book, he is so much worse in the book, like a yes. downright fucking sociopath. I am weirdly happy that the movie doesn't present him in that way because I think it would be really distracting. And then I think Chris then kind of becomes a little bit more sympathetic because you know what she's going through too, which that's why he does slap her. Well, that's true, but he's like way, he's so much worse in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that I don't want a story about like, you know, the, 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 we don't know what's going on in anybody's homes, you know, that, cause that's kind of a thing that's in the book. I think it would have, this would have then had to become like a three hour movie in order to get all of that. So keeping them kind of surface level, I think is, uh, is a smart choice. But I did learn recently that before John Travolta was cast, that role was almost played by a very young Robert England. (laughs) 
Oh, my goodness. He would have been so cute. And, and that's it would the have thing. been really weird. Robert England was a cutie mm. pie when he was younger. Like, he has such a boyish face. But it's like, that would have been such the weird oh. choice to think about him being, like, the popular boy in school. That's weird. <laughs> but, okay, him slapping people up. Like, just I'm trying to, I'm picturing Robert England where, where which McCall is. And I'm just like, it's not, it's. It's making me nervous. And then knowing what comes after right. in Robert England's right. filmography, I'm like, um, <laughs> send help. Yeah, it would oh, it would have been so weird. Um, <laughs> so then the other like main people that we have here, I mean, we do have PJ Souls. This is her third appearance on the show now. Um, PJ Possibly Sol- her last, we'll see. Yeah, PJ Souls as Norma, who is absolutely a lesbian, and I don't know why they're pretending she's not. Um, and then we also have Amy Irving as Sue Snell. I love Sue Snell. I do wish that the movie had given her a little bit more of what she gets in the book where she's a lot more sympathetic. She's a lot more involved um, because I think that Sue Snell is a really captivating character of the person who wants to do good, but is still complicit in a lot of ways that are deeply fucked up and like how you process that. Cause I think that's very interesting, but how do you, how does the group feel about Sue Snell? Well, I got a little bit of beef with Sue Snell because in the book, right. All right. There's me and Stephen mm. King got beef. Let's let's really start here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I, especially as a busy person, I loved to read as a child, but I don't really have the time. And sometimes I got to turn the light off. So I'm like, I'm an audiobook girl now. And I listened, I read Carrie at first, but I listened to the audiobook, but also reading it. I'm like, there's an N-word and there's a lot of, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the status quo is like outwardly racist and Sue knows and acknowledges that because even when she's giving, when they're having, she's having sex with Tommy, they just started fucking whatever, you know, teens, whatever, they're in the car and she's having like this inner monologue about, yeah, I'm the, I bullied this girl. I'm about to be like all the other girls. I'm about to just be pregnant with this cute guy. We're a cute couple. He going to be, make this money. I'm going to do this and we're going to keep the N words out of the town. I'm going to be picking it alongside them. Cause she's like, I guess she's like, having this conflicting idea of do I go against this or do I become like everyone else but you know everybody else is problematic and you've been kicking with, kicking it with them mm-hmm. also in the book we know that you this is not like oh this one incident and you feel bad you've been bullying Carrie with everybody else sometimes and ev- like the whole time so it's not like oh you did this one thing bitch like no 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 you've been bullied mm-hmm. like you're guilty you're not they like the movie kind of robs the story of like she i mean yeah she's conflicted but you did way more than this one thing absolutely see and that's what i want like that's what i wish because she ends up becoming this like very sympathetic like savior character in in the movie when everybody in the book is way more complicated yeah and it's I, i get it it's book to movie you don't have the time frame you don't have the ability to flush these characters out i get it but like, because we see Sue again in the sequel, which, you know, we'll talk about, and she becomes that person where she then dedicates her entire life to trying and, like, fix the problems that she was involved in. You know, she's she's every conservative Republican who, like, hates gay people, and then their son comes out, and then suddenly they join PFLAG. Like, that's who mm-hmm. Sue Snell becomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sue Snell gets a proper ending, and I'm sorry it took it long as long as it did. That's how I feel about Snoo. Um, I, 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 I'm with y'all. I wish they showed how she was in the book. Cause I really just feel like all y'all are trash. Like, I understand we have like, you know, they're, they're, they're all complicated characters and everything is not as black and white, but I just really feel like, you know what? We only get a, 
from the book and the movie, you just get a snapshot. We're just tossed into these characters' lives. We, if we're if we're experiencing this in the couple day span, couple weeks span, whatever that takes place in in this timeline, what was all happening? That's implied that was happening prior to us taking a peek into their world. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, I just really like I can't forget all that. Like it really just. I, I don't know. Like, I really feel like I know we didn't get there yet. I feel like Tommy was really in love with Carrie and I got a problem with him, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a problem with everybody. Like, I'm really just like, oh, so y'all want to bang with her behind closed doors or just because you want to hit on the apology tour? Oh, no, 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 no. The North remembers. Also, <laughs> I think I remember when we were talking about this, um, reading this book with Jazz, I was just like, damn, ain't no black people in the story. All of a sudden, the book got real racist. What's yeah. going on? Like, <laughs> they could just up like, the song oh of the God. South. Like, why are you comparing Carrie to Song of the South in any way at all? Like, what what is happening? And I was like, I was like this menstrual show keeps coming up, and there's no black people mentioned at all. I'm like, how you make so a confused. mud mask racist all of a sudden? You didn't have to say that. You could have just said sis had a mud mask on. You just, like, oh my God. This is when, like, know. like Steve, early Stephen King, like... It's the same thing we talk about whenever we cover any show on or any movie on this podcast is you're kind of always playing Russian roulette with a gun that doesn't have bullets. Instead, it's loaded with racism, homophobia, transphobia. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not yeah. it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when and how intense mm-hmm. is that blast going to be because uh, it's it's coming and it's one of those things where like you read Carrie and you're like, this horror is amazing. The story is amazing. And then it's like you are still a 24 year old white guy in the seventies in Maine. Like that's yeah. still very mm-hmm. much embedded into a lot of that work, which is, it, it, it's just yeah. the thing that you, you, you hold the multiple truths at the same time of like, there are aspects of this that are great. And there are aspects of it that are like, why did you do that? Steven? Why did you do that? There's a, <laughs> they the, grew up in the fifties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the people who make Stephen King and King adaptations have the good sense to remove certain things that, don't need to be in the movie. Like, you know, that sewer orgy that's in it that doesn't need to be oh in God. either right. version of it. Where it's right. like, let's let's just go ahead and take some of the unnecessary Stephen King, um, I don't know, gratuitous stuff out that's See, not relevant always, to our plot. What always gets me fucked up, though, is that, like, whenever they're going to do... You know, because these moments in these books, like they're infamous, like everybody knows they're there and that they never get put on screen. And then you always have the weirdos that are like, I wonder if they're going to include that scene in the new It movie. Why do you want that? Why do you want to see that? Let's let's have that Lock conversation. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? man? What could you possibly have had in mind? I thought it would be a good thing for Carrie to get her to join in with a few things and be with people. Make her a part of things. Right. Come on, Sue. We're not that stupid. Neither is Carrie. Which brings us to you. Miss Collins, I have to get the phone. Well, it's too bad, isn't it? If you don't mind, this is between Sue and I. Oh, but I do mind. Unless, of course, you'd like to continue this little discussion in Mr. Morton's office. (sighs) What is the big deal? Because it is a very big deal for Carrie White, and you know it. Well, she already said no anyway. Yeah, well, with a little effort, you can change that. Don't count your chance. Just don't try. Fine. I won't try. Wait a second. It's not fine. Hey, you can't order someone not to take someone to the prom. Well, you know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. We're not trying to hurt her, Miss Collins. We're trying to help her. How? 
Hey, Tommy, um, don't you think you're just going to look a little ridiculous when you walk in the prom with Carrie White? We don't care how we look, do we? Yeah, this movie is incredibly white, as is the case with most teen movies um, until very recently. Um, th- just it's an extremely white genre. And yeah, fucking Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Sue. The, That's the version of her in the movie is very nice. But then you don't yeah. think about like the before where it's like suddenly like this is where it went too far. Them throwing tampons and maxi pans while she cries and thinks she's dying in the shower. OK, we went a little too far that time. I'm going to I've been struck with guilt. I guess we're going to try to fix it now. This specific snapshot of her is a nice girl. Mm-hmm. But if you don't think about anything that led up to that. See, but then you also we do get like a tiny bit of her mom, too. And like. Her mom is very much like that waspy lady because, you know, Margaret's trying to talk to her like, these are godless times. And she's like, I'll drink to that. And you're like, <laughs> OK, Mrs. Snell. Um, <laughs> so like you kind of you kind of get an idea of, of who Sue is. But yeah, it's not it's not explored in the movie. And, you know, it's limitations of film. Um, but so about the the tampon scene, though, a thing that I read and I do like this is that all of the actors talked about like, you know, what's the hardest thing about being in this movie? And all of them said like across the board, it's it was shooting that scene and being so mean to her because they were like when you're in the in the prom and there's like all the pyrotechnics going off and there's blood everywhere and people are screaming. It feels like acting and like PJ Souls like busted her eardrum because she got hit with the Mm -hmm. fire hose in that movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was like, nope, the worst part was throwing things at Sissy Spacek and bullying her because they're like, it felt way too real. And it felt like we were like actually being mean to her. And you, you know, when you act your, your brain and your body, like sometimes they can't keep things distant or like they can't compartmentalize that. And then you start to actually feel that way. And Amy Irving was like, I had to walk away from set because I was like, towards the end of it like I actually hated her in that moment because I was like how the fuck do you not know this and that to me is really interesting of like of all the things that happened in this movie the thing they all struggled with the hardest was actually bullying the fuck out of this actress mm-hmm. mm. I don't because it's so intense it's so it's like y'all are name calling you're throwing shit she's crying she's bleeding y'all no one stopped to think like maybe Maybe, maybe she actually needs a little help, mm-hmm. especially when uh, you're looking at girls who, you know, most of them in there are mistreated because they're all familiar with it because they're clearly telling her, girl, you need to do this. And 17, I understand it's very late, but no one stopped to think like, girl, you, you just need a pad. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just made me think about how, like, throughout the span of time, as far as we know, teens have been like can be very cruel. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like being a teen seems to be a really hard experience. Um, and I, I, when people say that, like, I had a really good teen, like teenage years, I said, that is nice, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that is so wonderful. Like, they used to call me slave boots. Like, I'm just sitting like, oh my God, no. Like, it's just, so when I see other people's experiences, I'm just, it's just horrific. Um, first of all, when we're shot in, jumping into the scene, like this is essentially how the movie opens. Mm-hmm. One thing that, um, okay, so I understand that people getting their artistic, creative thing on, bow, amazing. But it's still to this day, like I, I, I understand that there's nudity in films because like we people be nude, like that's just what bodies be doing. Um, but when I think about like, okay, so these are supposed to be teen people, 
Mm -hmm. I don't know if we needed to show it like this. Like, I think we was getting a little too artsy in the 70s. Because oh, like, it's like a dream. It, like, uh, the, it's dreamlike. It's weird. Playing over yeah. just like naked body and it's steamy and there's romantic music and. And there's frontal. And I'm just like, but these are teens. It goes back, like, Jazz and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm walking with the story. I'm getting it. But like, I think it's just getting to the visual part and how it's shown mm -hmm. and I'm like okay like I think what the newer movies do really well is we still see like Chloe Moraz in the shower but we don't necessarily need to see Bush mm -hmm. in the shower and I'm because I'm when I'm seeing this I'm buying into the film so I'm just like why am I watching teens in the shower I'm like, mm -hmm. right I'm getting a little scared I'm like oh my god no 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 so but like <laughs> I'm sure and because people are in the shower that's what we do we shower but I'm yeah. just like okay how was this you know depicted um the <sighs> Lock everyone up. <laughs> <laughs> we have that like, all the time where I have to like, like we'll be watching a scene like this or um, a, a different movie that takes called Heaven Help Us where it's got a lot of boys in like a Catholic school and their wieners are out because they're in like mm -hmm. going to go swimming in the pool. And mm -hmm. BJ, I go, we need, I need to look up how old all these actors are because I feel weird, but I'm going to feel way weirder depending on what the answer is. Yeah. 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 It's And it's like this frustrating thing where it's like you take into the historical context where it's like, Okay, this is like outside the Hayes Code, where everybody like this is where it's exploitation. The 70s where they went it's nuts. the seventies. Yeah. It's like everybody was on free love. Like I get it, but also comma big ass comma. These are teenagers. I don't need to see this. Yeah, um, yeah that like that sort of stuff is it's it's hard to to shake. Um, and I get too, it's also like this juxtaposition of like, well, they're all womanly and they have all reached this part and she's not. Like, I, I understand the thought process, Brian De Palma, but you didn't need to do that. We could have gotten the point otherwise. We didn't Literally. need that. Uh, just uh, like, could y'all imagine just like, and, it, and like, it doesn't have to be this particular like scene of this thing happening to you, just being a teen. Mm -hmm. Like this scene for me, just like if you were a teen that experienced some sort of bullying, right? Or without it in mm -hmm. your life, it just, for me, it transport me back to that moment. Mm -hmm. So like, no, you may not have an experience like Carrietta, but for the most part, we know what it's like to be bullied. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> to, yeah. to like a, an extreme and it's uncomfortable and it's sick and like, then the adult uh, intervenes, but are they intervening? Like it, it's, it, it's just one of those like it just, it triggers me. So mm -hmm. shout out to you, Brian. You did that. We just could have you know just you know maybe a little different. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe a little less bush, a little less tit. They could have still been yeah. in the shower. Mm -hmm. They had that towels more on. Smoke, you see more shaving. Yeah, more doing their hair. You know, exactly. you could, there's plenty of stuff we could have focused on. Like people own underwear. Not, yeah. You could have just had underwear and bras, and like the same thing would have been fine. Yeah. Um, but like something, <laughs> something I'm kind of thinking about right now as we're talking about this is like, this is absolutely one of those scenes where it's like, I, I don't have periods, like surprise, but like, this is one of those things where it's like, no, it's so uncomfortable to watch this scene and see this bullying. And it absolutely, it, it I feel like it has this like thing that reminds you of just being uh, an awkward kid. Maybe uh, in the case of Carrie, she's very repressed and doesn't understand a lot of things. But, like, mm -hmm. something bad happens, and then you maybe try to fix it, and you make it worse. So she's going up to people with, like, her blood on her hands, and they're like, ew, don't touch me. And it's making the situation worse. And it mm -hmm. just, like, I, I think of so many instances as a kid where it's like, 
no, I wasn't doing this thing. I didn't fart in class. Look, it was my chair. And then you try to make the chair make the noise way more times because you're trying to fix it. And then that just draws more attention to it. And then it just gets worse. Um, it just It's just so many of these specific mean little moments. And it just captures that feeling of being like the target in that instance. And it sucks. It's also mm-hmm. interesting, too, that it... So I think it's only been very, very recently where even other like women and people who menstruate have been able to be supportive because like culturally it's been seen as like gross no matter what like women used to like give each other tampons in the middle of class like we were dealing drugs like it was like slide a hand into a pocket and it's like here's your tampon nobody can see that um and it's been very recently that like we did um you are so not invited to our my bat mitzvah about a month ago from when we're recording this and there's a scene in it where a girl's pad that's covered in blood, like floats away after she jumps into the water and all the boys start laughing. But the girls, even the girls that don't like her are immediately on her side and are like, you wouldn't even be able to handle having a period. And like, they're really defensive. And it's like, Ooh, Mm. I like this. Like, I like that. Even, you know, the girls that are not, you know, friends, they at least are united on that front. That's really cool. Because then you think about Carrie where any one of them could have been like, Oh shit, dude. Like you don't know what this is. All right, sit down. Let me let me explain this to you. But none of them do. They immediately just ridicule the fuck out of her because like from a cultural standpoint, like they have all been conditioned to be ashamed of what's going on with their own bodies. So now they get it's their chance to finally like be an oppressor and be shitty to her the way mm-hmm. that everyone else in the world has been to them. And like if you don't if you're not expecting your period, that shit is so scary because I got mine before I had the period talk because I matured way faster. I literally thought I was dying Mm. and my mom had to come pick me up from school. And when like, I like looked at her and the nurse explained what happened. My mom's response was, ah shit. I thought I had more time. So like, Mm. I was like, what do you mean? You thought you had more time. What the fuck are you talking about? Because (laughs) if you're not, I was like nine and it's just like, I'm just suddenly bleeding. What the hell? (laughs) Like that's, so scary so at that age yes it was Mm -hmm. awful and like in a weird way i was thinking about i was like i think it would be worse as a 17 year old to not know what's going on because like you're old enough to like kind of have a a better like look at how like the body is and you're a little bit more aware of mortality you're a little bit more aware of a lot of things so to suddenly start bleeding and have no idea why like that's a fucking nightmare. Like, I totally understand why she panicked the way she did. Uh, yeah, especially at 17. You, and then it's your first period. Yeah. Those are usually the worst fucking ones. And yours is so late and delayed. You're like the blood that was dripping. That's a heavy flow, sis. Like, it was coming onto the floor like mm-hmm. that hard. I was like, drop after drop after drop. I was like, oh, this is bad. And your stomach hurts. You're cramping. All of that. And to your point about like you know passing the the tampons like there were drugs there were commercials where you're like passing it and the teacher's like "Ooh, if you got candy you want to pass it up to everybody yeah like remember those i was like you you had to be fucking discreet and it was like common knowledge to where they were putting it in advertisements like oh you want a discreet looking pad you go make the um the cover all cute so don't nobody know it's a pad i'm like all right we're doing a whole fucking lie it's just a goddamn period 
Okay. I remember when they did the pad commercials where they made them quieter because it was like the softer rappers or whatever. And they advertised that you could like rip them open in the bathroom and no one would hear because heaven forbid someone know that you're on your period. Oh God. The world's stupid. We live in a fucking dumb world. (laughs) So we got to talk to kind of close things out. And, you know, I do want to talk about Tommy Ross. When Tommy Ross tells her you're beautiful, I believe every fucking word out of his mouth. I think he genuinely does think that she's beautiful. I think he believes it, but I also got beef with him because when he was talking to uh, talking about her, like they paint him to be very innocent in this as well. Mm-hmm. But in the book, I'm like, you de- one, you never intervene, so mm, mm-hmm. you're not a great person. But also when he was like, he was like, well, what did that silly bitch ever do to you, girl? What, why are you referring to her like that? Right. <laughs> That's literally what he said. What does a like simple bitch ever do to you? Something along those lines. And I'm like, you not even kind of her for real, for real anyway. So I guess, but I mean, he's not, I guess he's not as bad as Snoo, I guess. Sue, why can you say Snoo, Sue? It's all good. Mm, I'm not a fan of Tommy. Like I just, y'all, I. He showed up to her house. That's I, some weirdo you, shit, bro. Okay. One, I'm scared for Carrie mm-hmm. when he comes to the house in the book and in the movie because if you've ever I am I've come from a family where girl, ain't no ain't no and no suitors need to come to my door okay <laughs> I told my mama one time mm-hmm. I had a boyfriend she looked me in my eyes said you don't have no boyfriend I said okay <laughs> <laughs> like so I'm not living Carrie's life but you see Carrie's life so when he comes to the door I'm like why are you here like what the fuck like this is not this is not cute number one she said please leave you don't know her life. Yeah. So she's not saying please leave because she's turning you down for like shits and gigs. Like, oh, she's turning me away. No, get away. She's going to get punished. Like, and I I don't like, I don't like how he keeps forcing himself on her, whether it's, you know, a mix of himself and Sue and them and all kinds of other stuff. And then, you know, in the movie where there's several times, like Jess said, he doesn't really stand up for her. Like a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. But when the teacher is like, you know, cutting her up, first of all, you unprofessional Ooh. bitch. Like, what is wrong with you? A lot of y'all, actually. Mm-hmm. We're not, I'm not even going to cut. It's just, ugh. So, and he mumbles under his breath. Like, he makes a comment about the teacher. Like, I do understand, you know, it takes a little gall as a teen to, you know, get buck with your teacher. Um, but also, like, you got to stand up for something. I know he eventually does it later. Um, but, like, mm, I just... I don't really like his motive. Um, I don't like his arc. I do not think he deserved the ending that he got. Like, I think that's way too much um, because, you know, obviously Chris and them are horrible people. Like, they're all, like, horrible people to the most part. But I don't think you deserve that. Like, y'all didn't deserve that. That was too much. Um, I do think you deserve to get, like, maybe tripped up or something um, because you were a meanie. And you actually, re- I think he does really like Harry. Mm-hmm. And that also is why I'm just rolling my eyes because, you know, here we go again. The really good looking character is falling for like the other. And like, now we got to gas them up. Like we see this story over and over again. And honestly, I feel like this is probably one of the blueprints to oh, yeah. that Definitely. tale. Like, Definitely. To, right. And, I, and I, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I, I hate seeing it, but I'm just like, I don't like turn the movies off. <laughs> like, you know, we see it in all the films and I'm like, oh man. But sometimes I really just want the girl to be like, girl, fuck you in the end. Like that's the ending I like. She Which chooses time. herself. Exactly. And yeah. I like that Carrie chooses herself in the end. It's a really unfortunate way, but like, she's just like, 
hey, fuck y'all. I'm about to burn this place to the ground. I'm tired. I'm like, yes, let it rain, please. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that that's what kind of the movie does is that, is Tommy the worst? No, he's better than everyone else. But everyone else is really bad, so he's not that. Mm-hmm. He's good in comparison. Same thing with Sue. Um, I love his Roger Daltrey curls. Like, he has adorable little blonde hair. But, <laughs> yeah, no, he's I, – I think this is one of those circumstances where, like, Carrie cleans up and has her dirty pillows, as her mom refers to them, <laughs> out on display for everyone. And she puts on some makeup. And then he's like, wow, you're really pretty now. I really like you now. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those very classic, like, post-makeover scenes where the popular boy falls – for her and I think in the moment like that 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 scene where you know the thing things get real dreamy and nightmarish and after the blood falls on Carrie he's like what the hell and is clearly sticking up for because I think he is also caught up in his feelings because like you're a teen you got big feelings um especially if he's a teen boy and he's like she's hot now I'm thinking of through my dick like I don't know like there there's there's a lot of feelings that happen in that whole sequence between mm-hmm. her and him and Sissy SpaceX face specifically that just there's so much without any dialogue for like four or five minutes of this movie. And mm-hmm. I love it. So here's my here's my my hot my hot Tommy Tommy Ross take, because uh, when I say I believe him, this is not like to to excuse any of his bullshit. It is me saying, though, I do think he genuinely does like her. Tommy Ross is the guy in high school that we were, we're going to see in She's All That, we're going to see in all of these movies moving forward, where yes, you take those glasses off and suddenly, aha, I see what has been in front of me the whole time. That is who that guy is. Carrie is a movie about not just villains, but also bystanders. And like Tommy Ross is like kind of king dick at being a bystander in this movie. And it isn't until he gets to prom and she, you know, they they drive up and she's like, hey, can we wait for a second? And he listens and he waits and he's like, okay. And he spends that night actually talking to her and kind of unpacking his own bullshit. The problem is he has done all of this too fucking late. Sue's the same way. Too late. Mm-hmm. Like you have done way too much for too long and you are now realizing the error of your ways and it's not going to be enough to fucking save you because he dances with her and he's laughing with her. And I'm like, oh, he he's he's fallen for it. He's seeing her as an actual human being and not as like this idea that people are bullying. He's getting it. And that's why he sticks up for her on that stage, because obviously, like, they don't know what's going on with this blood thing. So he's like, what the fuck? This is fucked up. But again, it's too late. It's fuck. It's too late now. And it's like, oh, man, you you don't even get a chance to try to like unlearn your bullshit because you're going to get hit with a bucket and perish. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. it's kind of, it's, you kind of set yourself up for this, my guy. Um, but it is like that. That's what makes this feel like a, a Greek tragedy is that when Carrie is announced prom queen and she's walking up to that stage, I cry every time because I'm like, this is genuinely the first time I think in this poor girl's life, she has ever actually felt loved and like welcomed and accepted and it is about to get so bad so fucking fast and even the person that is like she finally feels like she has like a friend an ally anybody in her life and because this is going to happen like all she's going to feel so betrayed she thinks he's in on it like they can't even have that conversation of i didn't know about this like nope it's like 
it's it's done. Like it's been too far for too long. She's been she's snapped. She's pushed over the edge, and everyone in that fucking room is complicit, and they all deserve it. And it fucking is just. Oh my God. Like I know so many people who are like, you know, I cheer for her when it happens, but I am so heartbroken. Cause I'm like, you deserve so much better. You deserve so much happiness. And none of that is possible. <laughs> it is just bad for the, from now until you die is bad. Mm. It is. It is. You know, like I said, the movie makes them a little bit less complicated. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, the book, because yeah. again, the, everybody's more complicated in the book. Um, but once we get towards, you know, Carrie kills everybody and they all fucking deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this, the, I don't know, if maybe you'll have different opinion than I do in this, but I like the movie ending when she kills Margaret better than I do in the book. Because in the book, she just stops her heart. I love that visual uh, crucifying her in the doorway with the knives that like does something for me in a way that I'm mm-hmm. like, mm, that's powerful imagery. That's some Brian De Palma bullshit right there. Um, it well, just, you, you need, oof. you need visuals. It's like how you have to change the ending of jaws where the shark doesn't die of blood loss. Cause that's not a very compelling ending for a movie. Yeah. It's just like when she's in that doorway and she's looking at her and she looks like that terrifying crucifix Carrie has where the eyes kind of glow mm-hmm. and she like resembles that. It just like, it does something for me and I, I can't put my finger on what it is. Cause again, I'm not like a religious person. So like, I don't have a lot of like the association or hangups with a lot of religious imagery. So when I see it, I'm mm-hmm. just like, Ooh, cinema. <laughs> is it the score? Because I personally felt like the score gassed it up. Like, it's so yeah, good. I, it's, it's all like, I, I used to play violin and like my parents very much children of like late fifties, early sixties. So, like, you know, listen to the mamas and the papas growing up, you know, a lot of like old music of the time, like they had older siblings. Um, so when I'm seeing this and I what like when you think of most like movies from the 60s and the 70s, the score is just like very much from its time. Mm-hmm. Like we're playing the same instruments and it just it puts you in the mood. This is like soothing kind of music to me. So it adds to the drama. Like when mm-hmm. Carrie comes into the room and then the strings start playing. And then the changes, it changes the mood of everything. Like mm-hmm. when she's looking at her mom and it just feels sad. It feels emotional. I'm just like, oh my God, I want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, fuck, oh no. Cause you want, you really want her to have a happy ending. And you just know like, no, like it's never going up from there. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's just, and I, I hate it so much. It, and honestly, this, the score of this movie, I don't, I haven't had a chance to research who did what. Reminds me a lot of Flowers in the Attic, like with all like the same kind of strings and sad piano and how it just changed the whole moods of the scenes. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie yet mm-hmm. or if you've like seen it in a while, but I'm just like, I just want to throw up, y'all, like because it's another situation where shit is going really bad because a mama is making choices, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, send help and. And the kids at the end in this movie and in that movie, but like they're left is like, well, they're feeling empowered and they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff. Like it, it gets crunk from that. That's a story. But um, the the kids are still feeling like, oh damn, like I just killed my mom. Mm-hmm. Like there's the moment of who I'm free, but like, oh shit. Like and in this one, it's just you know everything crumbles around her and the grief and I just. I just want to fall apart. You know, 70s movies really be taking me out. I be calling jazz with tears in my eyes, like, oh my God. (laughs) Especially if you watch horror movies and you just cry. I'm like, oh God, they died again. Yeah. 
Oh, God. I, I do love you bringing up that, like, a lot of movies from this time period have, like, same instruments and same sounds because, like, that's true. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of moments where you could easily say, like, oh, the violin shrieks of this movie. It's like, oh, it's very psycho or something like that. But no, like, Carrie makes it its own like mm-hmm. the the way that anytime she uses her power it's like a violin shriek and it's mm-hmm. such a good use of that and it's so distinct um i also just absolutely love the score during the build of the scene basically once margaret stabs carrie and she falls down the stairs and it's like this sad piano but it oh. builds all the way up into the climax where like the house is on fire and collapsing and there's like pipe organ which like the like the, the, the pipe organ is like the biggest instrument in the world it feels like cathedral so it's like feels like the most cataclysmic thing happening even though it's not nearly as big sounding like that but it feels mm-hmm. like it and it sounds like it um it's just that the score is so good in this whole movie but especially during that scene it just understands how to build on top of everything so well underrated instrument on this score sad as fuck pan flute like <laughs> yes. the saddest fuck pan flute that is like sprinkled throughout this score. Like, oh my God, that's what cuts me when I think of Carrie. Cause I think of obviously like the, the big stuff, like when the house is crumbling is simultaneously so sad sounding and triumphant at the same time. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, Pino Donaggio is the composer on this. And I know he did a lot of, uh, De Palma's other movies like Dress to Kill and Body Double. So like they work together quite a bit, but it's th- that pan flute, like when it is just so sad and like, th- like that's the sound that plays whenever Carrie is like kind of getting in, like she's internalizing the stuff. Like mm-hmm. now, whenever I hear pan flutes, like from now until forever, I think about Carrie and I get real sad. <laughs> Because it's just like, it, it's such like a 70s instrument too. Like nobody's casually using pan flutes anymore. But in the 70s, no. like so many sad scores have pan flutes. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm, I'm so emotional right now because the movie is playing in the background and I'm just like, <laughs> think of like all the movies where the flutes are playing. I'm like, oh my God, I just want to turn to a puddle of tears. Like the music is so emotional. It's like, ah. <laughs> So a character we've kind of been talking around, but I think it's most important to talk about her because it allows us to talk about the ending is this movie sets up Miss Collins to be like a fairy godmother this whole time. Like she's still rough around the edges. She slaps the shit out of kids this whole movie. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Like when she, when she slaps Carrie, it's very much like a snap out of it kind of slap, which like, I, I get it. She's act. She she. You got to get her back to earth, but you can do that without slapping her. Um. But then she slaps Chris. She like she. Twice. <laughs> Betty Buckley slaps the fuck out of everybody in this movie. Um. But she 
acts like this, you know, person for Carrie, taking care of her, looking out for her. She she's stands up for her. She's like, what you did to her was really shitty. But then you get to the prom and she's covered in blood and she laughs too. And like, mm. I just want to throw up and scream because we get that POV shot from Carrie of seeing her laughing and it just just lays me out. I can't deal with it. Mm. So how do you feel about Miss Collins and especially that that betrayal? Mm. Okay, um, here we go. Right. Jess, you want to go ahead? Because you know I got time, babe. I'm going <laughs> her forever. So one, I feel like, and I think she's a first-year teacher. And you know, as an educator, you need to be fired, baby. You don't need to be working in a classroom because your classroom <laughs> management skills are wild. <laughs> that bullying, first of all, you they've been yelling, plug it up. You should have been intervening, sis. Like, you, right, I, how did you not again, hear this? <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm like, because you're not paying, you're looking down, you're not even monitoring the kids. What? That's the first thing you're supposed to do, girl, stupid. Anyway, I have things to say about her as an educator. Like, she would not pass her observation, okay? <laughs> um, the, one, so, the one thing I will say, though, that is really fucked up, but teachers in the 70s could hit kids because I had the same teacher that my dad did and my dad was like watch out for that guy he hit me once and I'm like what and he's like well it's, it's illegal now he can't do that to you and I'm like you got hit by your teacher what the fuck uh, so yeah. uh, 70s is wild man <laughs> It was. It they was, were still throwing but, kids in the 90s. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. they were. But in the book, like, she has these thoughts like, ill, disgusting. Like, she's also kind of disgusted by her. Like, she's not this superhero or not this person. She, she falls into the status quo, too, because mm-hmm. she also, if she, I feel like if she was a teen, she would have messed around with one of the bullies, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think she would have stopped it. She seems like she's just old enough to know, like, the weight of what they're doing, because teenagers are terrible because they lack that empathy and they don't really think before they do things and they don't really understand how they're hurting someone or the weight of it. So that's probably the only reason why she intervened. And then for her to put her in the mirror, like, you could just curl your hair, you could just do this. Look, you pretty. Look, like the goal to be pretty, the goal to be Mm -hmm. accepted, to change yourself, to look to fit in. Yeah. So I'm like, "Mm," in the 70s, I could see why people would be like, oh, that's cool. But also I'm like, "Mm, Mm. no. And also I watched it after college so i didn't see it as a child so my first thought was like girl you're part of the problem culturally mm-hmm. yeah miss collins is terrible i'm sorry like i just <laughs> you know i think she like she you know she comes off like oh okay she's do she's just doing the bare minimum because like jazz said there should be no reason that that scene went on for as long as it did like i understand for like cinematic purposes but if you apply real life you have failed as an educator, where were you? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand it's only one of you in this gym and we don't really need to float around while everyone's getting dressed, but also like you didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. What were you doing? Mm-hmm. And then right afterwards, when you go and have the comment, they're having the conversation with the principal. I wrote that down. It was like the whole thing made me want to uh, take her and shake her too. So you also were turned off by what Carrie was had going on. Like you, 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 you made it seem like you empathized with what was going on, but you were also annoyed and or possibly disgusted by what was going on too. So you're aligning with her abusers. Oh, bitch, get fired. Like, what's going on? How are you here? All of y'all is terrible. Like, I just, Carrie is triggered all day, every day. She knows no peace. She knows no peace. The only time she gets peace actually is when her mom is hitting the pavement, baby, when she's out here spreading the word and she gets to stay her time at home. Like, unfortunately, they're probably doing all kinds of wild stuff, like making her pray all day. But like, that is the only time she knows peace because y'all are terrible. 
Like everyone has failed her. So no, Miss Collins is terrible. Um, and then even though I do think in the prom scene that it's a little gassed up because of, you know, like all the um, enhanced mm -hmm. uh, emotions Carrie's going through, I definitely think that she chuckled. Like mm -hmm. I really think that everybody that was laughing, you know, they was they were, <laughs> she chuckled. And I'm like, oh, bitch. Mm, mm -hmm. Bye. That's why all y'all deserve to die. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, because she's laughing at the thing, but I don't know, like in the book, it make it seem like, Oh well, maybe she they, she might imagined it. I'm like, mm, no, no, she you're one of them bitches. No, you one of them bitches. Like her. Yeah, you're definitely one of them bitches. Like you're one of them. You were always one of them, bitch. <laughs> and the thing that's why you get what you get. The thing that gets me in that scene too, because like I've seen Carrie ten million times at this point, but we were watching it, and you know the 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 stuff hits. And at first, none of them laugh. Norma starts laughing because she knows it's a prank. So she's like, ha ha, let me laugh because Norma's the fucking worst. And then it seems like yeah. everybody else then it's like, oh, now I have permission to laugh. Because for a split second, like that split second is like, maybe, maybe they're they're redeemable. Maybe they're not going to laugh. Maybe mm -hmm. they're going to see that this is as fucked up as it is. Because when I watch this, laughter is like the furthest emotion from my mind because I'm like, that is not funny. Like, I don't care how mean people are to her. That is fucked up. And then they all start laughing and you're like, no, God damn it. Like you were all so close. You weren't laughing. And then you did. And then you fucking did it. Oh my God. Like that. This is why I love this movie so much because the emotions switch on a dime in like two second intervals throughout this whole movie where like, cause they, this movie tries to, at least through Carrie's eyes, make Miss Collins seem like she's got it out for her. But then we see what's going on in the principal's office or we see her like on the, you know, on the field with the rest of the girls during detention. Mm -hmm. Like we see things mm -hmm. about her that Carrie doesn't. So when that betrayal happens, it's just like, we knew it was coming, but Carrie didn't know it was coming. And that's, oh God, this girl. Like, all I want to do is just, like, hug her and tell her that it's going to be okay and take her from her mom and do anything to help her. And, like, this whole movie is just, like, I just want to help her so bad and no one wants to fucking help her. She didn't do nothing to nobody, which I keep having to reiterate. Like, she didn't do – her mom is kind of a little pushy and be, you know, knocking mm -hmm. at people's door and stuff. But her – Carrie literally, her entire existence is her trying to stay out the way. Yeah, That is like her, her whole existence is her, like, let me make myself as small as possible. And maybe they won't see me today. Maybe they will just say nothing because that is the best, like, possibility. Because if they do see her, you know they about to play. And when the movie doesn't take it further, because they're even worse, because she tries to leave, like, she leaves. But they trip her up. I was like, y'all tripping her up. Y'all doing all this other stuff. It's not, it don't even stop at the blood in the stage. Like, y'all are laughing, pointing, tripping her up, making it worse. Uh, I am so glad that she burnt all of y'all into ashes. <laughs> dust to dust. I mean, the the real thing, too, is that I'm very sad that the movie doesn't show her killing that, like, punk-ass kid on the bike who calls her Creepy Carrie. I hope that kid died, too, somewhere, because that kid fucking so sucks. Somehow. <laughs> he did. 
because I mean, a lot of people got fried up. That's the only thing I regret. I wish the movie was like 10, 15 minutes longer to show her frying up the rest of the town. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. I want them to see people's slippers like getting like flying off their feet as they getting electrocuted. I want to see all of that shit. Shit blowing the fuck up. I want to see it. <laughs> and from what I've learned from doing like a little bit of research behind the scenes, apparently De Palma wanted to blow the whole town up, but the producers were like, you don't have that kind of money. You can blow up a high Aww. school and a car. Like Aww. that's, that's what you've been given. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, the, like this, you know, like I said earlier, this is about not just villains, but also bystanders. And like this whole fucking town is complicit in the way that she was treated in the way that they all knew that her mom was abusing her and no one did anything the way that they know their kids are being mean as fuck to her. And they're all just kind of letting it happen like it, it takes a village to raise a child but it also takes a village to destroy a child because at any point somebody could have stepped in and nobody did so you know fuck them you, 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 exactly you, got what, you reaped what you sowed like that's what that's what is happening here exactly from up <laughs> <laughs> harmony how about you how, how do you feel about you know this this ending this poetic justice any of it yes <laughs> I, I can't add anything else to this that everyone else hasn't already said better than me um i think the split screen is a really cool touch because then we don't lose focus mm -hmm. on carrie or the carnage mm -hmm. that's like a direct result that's cool um i i, I yes absolutely fuck everybody like <laughs> i'm as is the case with a lot of stephen king stories like they're about evil little small towns in maine and you know the whole town sucks and the whole town could absolutely have been burned down in ideally dioramas because i just like it when we destroy small things like in godzilla movies but uh, <laughs> all the same yeah <sighs> oh carrie you're such a like a wonderful film a wonderful delightful very cathartic film because i'm not saying that i would burn down my hometown but i will say i've thought about what that would feel like maybe it'd probably be nice you know at least at least like knocking the bully off their boots one time just knocking mm -hmm. them onto the ground if you could just like push someone over or you know slash somebody tires from your house <laughs> you know that would just that would just change your outlook on life mm -hmm. and i'm so exactly. sad her powers yeah like i would do little mischievous shit like i'm like mm, you want to be a bitch your car not gonna start today How about that? <laughs> deal with that today love you dropped okay. your cell phone and it cracked mm, <laughs> love to see it mm. unfortunate your favorite mug the whole handles off <laughs> suddenly God, just... every single battery is dead and you have no replacements Damn. no no nothing just small petty things rather than like yeah. the big catastrophes of this movie, which like, let, let's be honest, this is a movie where there's a lot of people in this world that absolutely think they can get away with a lot of things because they've never gotten their asses kicked. And yeah. some people at least need to have the fear that their ass could get kicked and we would all be yes. better off for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It. I go with the idea that at a, after a certain threshold, certain people need their jaw rocked. Mm -hmm. Like after you do something, you don't need to get killed immediately, but someone needs to punch you in the face and then let you know that this is why 
you got punched in the face mm -hmm. because you are a habitual line stepper and someone needs to check you. And then you know what? It would. That's why the internet is awful. It, it's great, but people are behind the screen saying stuff that if they would have said in real life, someone would have would have rocked their jaw. Mm -hmm. They would have stopped mm -hmm. that kind of behavior. Because I'm not an internet bitch. You know, we all are a little bit. You know, where we were lived in a time where there wasn't like a way to be on the internet and say all this stuff mm -hmm. anonymously. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, because Hands someone is gonna, to yeah, exactly. Somebody about to slap the shit out you, so it stops you. But online, the person you're hurting is helpless to it, unless they block you. So Carrie is helpless in the situation. So they like, I'm gonna do whatever. They all need their ass beat, and if they would have got their ass beat before, we all would have been alive. Mm -hmm. We all would have been alive. Yeah, <laughs> I agree completely. I think about like being a teenager and like. Somebody would like say something like shitty or passive aggressive on like an AIM away message or on like the bulletin board on MySpace or whatever. But like if you said that and someone figured out who you were talking about, they would pop you the next day. Like that's that was how my teen experience was. Whereas like now that's not really a thing. And people will just like relentlessly humiliate and harass people on the Internet because they have this like false sense of anonymity, even though, you know, if you try hard enough, you can track pretty much anybody down on the internet. Yeah. But when it feel like it feels also just like very, very overwhelming. Somebody once referred, uh, referred this to me as like, when you're being harassed online, it feels like a shotgun blast in a closed room. Everybody outside of the room that you're in has no idea how bad this is for you. But if you're inside that room, it is a fucking massacre in there and it is awful. Um, and that's kind of how the internet, like internet bullying works versus the, the carry the carry bullying everybody's aware of it everyone sees how fucking bad it is and they're actively choosing either to continue to participate or they're just ignoring it and there's like whatever that's her problem not mine whereas like today people are bullied that relentlessly but it's behind closed doors people can't see it if it's not in your direct purview you don't know that it's happening and that's very insidious and very fucking scary and I have so many feels like I used to be a teacher. I'm not a teacher anymore. And the way that like the, the, the brand of insidiousness that kids brought to each other was just like, just rocks your world a little bit when you see how, how specific it can be because it's not as obvious as it once was. And whew, I'm just, I'm, I'm sad that I was a teenager in the 2000s, which was not a good time, I think, for a lot of people mm -hmm. to be teenagers in the in the 2000s. Yeah. But I am grateful every day that I'm not a teenager t now because I don't oh think I don't God. think I would have made it. Like truly I don't think I would have made it out alive. Yo, could you imagine like can, can you the technology me? that exists now oh, back God, in the viral? Somebody Listen. spread a rumor about you and it's fucking viral. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine, because you know some of these kids are, um, now they have phones and pictures, they're sending pictures to each other, some inappropriate. Imagine that going viral. Mm -hmm. oh, no. Like, you can't even switch schools. Like, back in the day, you, you know, maybe you could switch schools. You can't even move to a new town because the internet is worldwide, you. baby. Yeah. You missed the worldwide like Pitbull. You can't get yeah, out of no. here. It, mm -mm. It, I had I had a student print out a picture they got from another student on Snapchat, not an appropriate photo for anybody. And th tell me why my student 
printed it at school. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, oh, Lord. The, I, could not, I could not handle it. And then, of course, then you have to have the conversation where it's like, by the way, did you know that this is solicitation of child porn? That's what you just did today. And they're like, what? And it's yes. like, because, like... They don't understand the gravity. No, of it. because like they've been born with the internet, so like they don't understand like how serious a lot of this shit is, and it's just like it makes me, like, oh, drove me to drink <laughs> um, mm-hmm. every day. Now you at work late. Now you gotta fill out all extra paperwork. You gotta oh, call parents. Yes. Now you gotta make sure your IP is scrubbed. Jesus, it's oh, just... and all, and like this is like I'm gonna get on like a side soapbox here, but like if you listening at home are a parent, like please be cautious with the information of your own child that you put on the internet because not only is it like a safety issue for your kid because there are a lot of creeps out there, but I need you to understand that if you have fa- like you think it's cute that when your baby was two they shit their pants in public and you took a picture of it, but when your baby is twelve. Their friends go on your Facebook page and they find those pictures and bully kids with their own baby pictures. So let's not do that. What? Yeah. Yeah. Print them out, That's put them in an album. Right yes. yes. They will go back and they, they're they're savvy. They know how to do things what? on the internet. Yeah, they can find out where you live at. They know how to find all that kind of well, yeah, there are tic- But there's TikToks dedicated to that. So the kids could just watch that mm-hmm. and learn those skills, absorb it like sponges as they do. Because I, I teach middle school. Hey, girl. <laughs> and they will sit on here and they'll talk about you. They'll screenshot the pictures of your mama. Mm-hmm. Don't let your mama have an OnlyFans, girl. Oh, don't let yeah, that happen. Yeah, oh, you told me about that. Mm, don't ooh. let listen. They will they, like they'll find anything. Back in the day, it's only your clothes, what you look like, and maybe if they live in your neighborhood, they know about how you live in. That's all they got. Mm-hmm. You know, they can pull ammo from all kinds of spaces, and now they have the expectation oh to God. look like these people on Instagram. They have the expectation to have to look a certain way because you you see it. You know, on the internet, you have your higher expectations, so it's so easy to get bullied. So, like, they're so conscious about how they look now. Just so conscious because, Ooh. girl, don't let somebody take a picture of you and your hair don't look right. See, and your it, track showing or something, like, rude. Oh, I don't want to, Father, like, keep us going down the rabbit hole, but just real quick, like, just like the things, like, when you're learning yourself and all you have is these cameras and all these, you have the expectations and stuff, right? Because blah, 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 those exist, or whatever. Ew, gross. But, like, now the technology has stepped into play. Like, you have to have, like, the latest. You take the picture. People are using this to weaponize against you. Like, I cannot imagine, bro. Like, when I listened to y'all's episode on 13, because I oh, love me too. that movie. Oh, my God. No mail. bra, no <laughs> panties. Oh! <laughs> I, was, I was like, yes! I just, when Great I think episode. about that, like when, when, just picturing that, because that is, you know, that was, you know, 2002, 2003, like that is, that's what mm-hmm. it looked like. And so picturing that with the latest cell phone, the uh, the Instagram, oh my gosh, y'all, it mm-hmm. would have been even more struggle bust than what it already was. Like it, I just really feel for the teens. Like I be telling mm-hmm. my mom, oh my God, I feel for her. I'm like, what you doing little teenagers? You know, <laughs> I just, I really feel for them because it's 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 wild, it's wild, like, and then it just it. I can't. I'm about to throw. Up. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> but like that's what I think about with like like I wish that we could get another Carrie. Like I hope that the, if we do remake this, that one she gets to be fat because she needs to be. But like thinking about how insidious like Carrie would be in our current era, like how horrific that bullying would be and what it would look Mm -hmm. like because it wouldn't be 
we're throwing tampons at her in the shower. It would be, we're recording this girl not know what a period is and we're putting it on TikTok and suddenly it's going to be on 7 million people's radar. Like it, oh God, it makes me like want to throw being an indoor kid would not save her. Yes, being an indoor kid would not save her. Like, God, fuck. Oh, God, Carrie. Carrie White. And to all the Carrie Whites out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish that you had telekinesis and could kill for what too. God damn. So I feel like I already know the answer, but as is tradition of the show, Harmony, Carrie is asking you to the prom. This is another movie that ends up prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe, or are you sending her a ticket so she can go on her own? It's very clearly a yes. Um, I think it's really fun that this episode is actually longer than Carrie is. <laughs> uh, bless Brian De Palma and Stephen King for having this be a movie that just like, for, for a contained package, ignoring its source material, ignoring like what it could have been in other circumstances, this movie doesn't waste your time, and it's so crisp, and it's so perfect. And it is so self-contained. Like, I just, I love that. Like, this movie flies by. Like, I feel like, you know, we're watching for 25 minutes and then it's like, oh, we're at prom. But it's not. It just, like, it, it just zooms on by because it's just such a compelling, concise story. Um, Carrie's, Carrie's the best. Carrie gets to go to prom. And it won't end well, but Carrie gets to go to prom. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad she's going to prom with us. We'll, we'll give her a way better night than the one that she got she gets yeah. to have like the adult prom that we throw for like queer kids who didn't get to have prom as, as high schoolers we're gonna do that for <laughs> carrie and take care of her show show her a nice <laughs> night <laughs> well jazz and cat thank you so much for joining us this has been such a delight where can people find you your show what you talk about plug away all right. Well, you can find us at Anything Girl That's Scary, Instagram, mm -hmm. Twitter, or if you just call it X, um, we have a website. If you go to Google and type in Girl That's Scary, we are sure to pop up every Thursday on the Dread Central Podcast Network. You know, talk mm -hmm. about everything, sci-fi, shows, all kinds of things that are horror-related and horror-adjacent or whatever we can um, squeeze in because Kat wants to talk guns and, um, was it Guns and Roses? Girl, no, it's um, no, Gang of Roses. Gang of Roses. And I feel like we all should watch it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So whatever we want to cover. That's horrors mostly adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Of course. And as always, friends, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky at the Sunset Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Blue Sky, TikTok at BJ Colangelo. And you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor or at Blue Sky at my name, Harmony Colangelo. And as always, thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Harmony, what band do you want people to check out this week inspired by Carrie? So there's a song that I found fairly recently. It's called Drain Me by Frankie and the Studs. It's all about uh, blood and uses a lot of horror imagery. And it's a little gothic and a little punk and a little pop. And it's really, really great. And I really like this song and I gives me really good uh, hope for a band that's been around for actually quite a while, but hasn't released a proper album um, for any horror listeners out there. They also have another song called All Around Me, Bonnie and Clyde, that also has a lot of horror imagery in it. And I think this is just a cool band to keep a, keep an eye out for because I hope that they do some some more really good stuff. Awesome. Well, that takes us out on this edition of Spooky Season. And as always, save that last dance for us. Okay, bye. Bye.
the stink of the filthy roadhouse whiskey on his breath. And I liked it. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.